the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're so glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministry is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer for you today is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God designed you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, and we've been walking through the first part of that chapter. And remember that Paul, when Paul takes anybody or takes any group through the Word or through his writings, he begins by telling you who you are in Christ. He begins by declaring to you the truth of who you are. And then he, then he goes from there to telling you what that looks like. If you miss the first part and latch on to the second part, you just dive into legalism because you can't make it work. But if you embrace the first part, you understand that the second part is dependent upon the life of Christ in you to bring it forward. And he says, this is what it looks like. And then he finishes by saying, walk in it. Live in it. Don't just know about it. Own it. Well, how am I going to do that? We'll go back to the first. Who are you? What is your source of life? Where is that coming from? That's from Christ. This is where it all begins. So let's keep that in mind as we work through the first part of uh, Philippians chapter 4. And I'm going to read through verse 6. And then we're going to go through the progression. It says, Therefore, my brethren, whom I love and yearn to see, my delight and crown, wreath of victory, thus stand firm in the Lord, my beloved I entreat and advise Iodia, and I entreat and advise Syntyche to agree and to work in harmony in the Lord. I exhort you too, my fellow yokemen, help these two women to keep on cooperating, for they have toiled with me in the spreading of the good news, the gospel, as have Clement and the rest of the fellow workers, whose name are in the book of life. So rejoice in the Lord always, delight, gladden yourself in Him. Again I say rejoice. Let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your considerateness, your forbearing spirit. The Lord is near. He's coming soon. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance, in everything, by prayer and petition, definite request, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. Now, in the beginning of this chapter, Paul says stand firm, and we've talked quite a bit about that. Paul's not suggesting that you can lose anything if you don't stand firm. You can't lose who you are in Christ. 
or that you could walk away from your union with Christ. But he says, stand firm in who you are in Christ. In other words, live in who you are. Live it out. This is keeping your focus on Jesus. This is making your determination to stand in the truth. This is literally making Jesus the goal of your life, the center of your life, and why you live every moment. And if you don't, if you don't make Jesus the center, you know what the center will be? Self. There's really only two ways to live, and that's self-centered or Christ-centered. That's true. Now, I'm not talking about for the Christian, you've got Jesus as your life, but you can choose to have your focus. And when I say centered, I mean, where's your focus? When I say centered, I say you either live with a self-centered. Well, you say, I'm not focused on myself, but I'm going to tell you that that brother over there, or that sister over there, Or I'm going to tell you that the problem that's confronting me here. Or I'm going to tell you that the illness that I have here. Or the issues that I have there. What are all those about? Self. Those are my issues. Look at what they're doing to me. Look at the problems I'm having. Look how I'm put at risk. Look at all the the potential issues that are for me down the road. Look how this is going to affect me. Look what your selfishness has done to my life. As Mike Wells says, everybody's just too self-centered to think about me. Well, now there's a real issue. You're either self-centered or you're Christ-centered in your focus. And if you're Christ-centered, here's the truth of it. We don't like this, but the truth of it is if you're Christ-centered, you don't have room to be offended. You don't have room for bitterness. You don't have room for judgments. You don't have room for all of those things because it is Christ-centered. It's about Him. It's not about the way people have treated you. It's not about how life has treated you. It's not about what this world is offering you. It's about Jesus and nothing else. It's all about Jesus. Then Paul brings up a problem in the Philippian church, a dissension between two ladies who are actually mature in service. And Paul doesn't even address the issue, but he addresses the separation. He says, why don't you two agree on the Lord? That's the Todd Granger paraphrased version. Why don't you make Jesus your focus and get on? Quit fighting. Agree upon the truth of who we are in Christ. Make Jesus your focus and your goal and get on with walking with Him. Take your focus off each other and live to the truth. Now, there's a reason that verse 1 and 2 and 3 all follow in succession. Look at this. It says, verse, he says, stand firm and don't be distracted by one another. Where's your focus? And now we come to verse 3. How should we renew our focus? How should we refresh our faith? How should we be protected from this distraction? Well, let's see. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in your faith. Rejoice in the Lord. Always delight. Gladden yourselves in Him. Again, I say rejoice. Again, this is a command, not a suggestion. It is as necessary to your spiritual fitness as water is to your body. 
That's how important rejoicing is. And we said last week, we talked about what rejoicing is. What's the literal meaning of rejoicing? What is rejoicing? Rejoicing is the declaration of the truth within. Rejoicing is letting all that is true of Christ in you be your exclamation, be your confession, be your life and your manifestation, your witness. That's rejoicing. Joy being a a gift of the Spirit, being the truth or fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit of God within you. As you rejoice, you bring forward all the truth of Christ in you. Joy is walking in the confidence and the assurance that God is who He says He is and that you are who who He says you are. Joy is a quiet confidence. It's not based in circumstance, but based in Him. It is delighting in who you are in Christ. It is the result of a mind centered on Christ. And as we said before, there are really only two focuses and it is the focus of Christ at the center it's not an effort it is not you trying to be something you're not it is the natural speak of the child of God 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says be happy in your faith and rejoice and be glad hearted continually always Last week we looked at other references and in each one we see God commanding us to rejoice. You know what? I don't see that so much in Christian lives, do you? I don't see it as much as I should in my own. I give more voice and more consideration to the things around me, to the activities going on, to uh, what's going on in the world, whatever. I, I, I find myself rehearsing literal nonsense for the benefit of taking up airspace. The Bible says, God says, listen, He's not doing this because He's testing your resolve or your commitment. He's saying, rejoice, speak the truth, because speaking the truth renews it in your heart and in your mind. And you know what? If you don't renew the truth, you'll be renewing the lie. It says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, if you're not renewing the truth, and you're not knowing the truth, that is an active knowing, then what are you doing? You're just throwing yourself in bondage. That's the reality. People that I, I talk to regularly will come in with a new little truth, minor truth, every time I see them that they're focusing on. Now they get better in time. They, they learn better not to bring it up. But they come in and they say, you know what, here's the issue. They did so and so. They did those things. That is a truth, but it's not the truth. Rejoicing is bringing you back to the truth that says, I have a God. I am not dependent upon the actions of men. I'm not living at the whim of the world. They can neither take life from me, nor can they give life to me. I live to the one who is my life. That's rejoicing. That's putting your focus on truth. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoicing is the result of a Christian's focus on Jesus. It's the fruit of a practiced confidence in the truth. It is necessary to be delivered from self-centeredness. It is resisting the enemy 
God commands it because it is how we recognize and affirm who we are and recognize that we're participating in our union in Christ. Rejoicing is the outward expression of confidence and trust in the Lord. It's delighting in who you are in Christ. It is the result of a desire and a determination to live in the truth of who you are in Christ. And when you're Christ-centered, you're salt and light. And when you're not, when you're self-centered, there's no contrast between you and the world. You're living like a lost person, basically, when you're self-centered. When you're Christ-centered, you're living to Him. And there will be contrast in your expression. You will live a life that is blessed. When you're Christ-centered, you're living the life of Matthew 5, 6, and 7. The blessed life. It's not to be an effort. It is to be a reality. Not a hypocrisy. The truth of who you are. You live it because it suits you. You speak it because it is your rejoicing. It is the joy of who you are. Then we come to verse 5. It says, Let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your considerateness, your forbearing spirit. The Lord is near. He is coming soon. Now listen, guys. This is not a call to evangelism or pious living. It's a call to life. It's a call to unselfishness or Christ-centeredness. Everything else is play-acting. The world knows the difference. They don't understand it. They often try to duplicate it with their causes. But listen, people, apart from Christ, it's just man seeking to feel better about himself. It's not the truth. Paul says, stand fast in the truth, live in the truth, rejoice in the truth, and you will proclaim the truth through your life to the men who know you. They'll see the contrast. They'll know the difference. The world will know the difference. Ephesians 5.8 declares that you are light. That's who you are, Christian. That is the origin of who you are. The verse literally says, For once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children, children of the light. Lead the lives of those who are native born to the light. That's your new creation. That's who you are. You are light, and by the very nature of who you are, you will cast a contrast in this world. But you know what? If you're seeking to be dark, if you're seeking to cover yourself in the world's identities and hide the truth of who you are, you will live the misery of a lost person. You will live the misery of someone who lives in duality and duplicity. You will live the misery of those people who do not have a God. But in the end, you'll know it's a lie. And you know what? The world will know it's a lie too. They will. You can't live the life of the world. You can try to live like the world. But you're light. And the world will know the difference. And you say, oh no, I don't know, I've seen some guys that hide it pretty good. Philippians 2.15 That you may show yourself, now this is who you are, this is Paul declaring who you are. We read this. That you may show yourselves to be who you are, blameless and guiltless, innocent and uncontaminated, children of God without blemish, faultless, unrebukable, in the midst of a crooked and wicked generation, spiritually perverted and perverse, among whom you are seen as light. 
You are seen as bright lights, stars or beacons shining out clearly in the dark world. Listen, Christian, there will be a contrast. You are light. And here's the other thing. Paul is saying, you are light. Walk as children of the light. Walk in the truth and they will see Jesus. The world will know that the Lord is near. Paul says, the Lord is near. Now listen, this portion of verse 5 and chapter 4 is, is debated a good bit. And even the Amplified interprets it this way that a lot of theologians will interpret it. They'll interpret it as referencing the coming of Christ. But that the Greek word there does not allow you to be dogmatic about that. Because it can literally mean the presence of God. It can literally mean the Lord is near in terms of His very presence. Okay? I want you to understand that because that's what we're talking about. It makes sense in the context of what Paul is saying. Psalm 73.28 says, But it is good for me to draw near to God. And we remember Matthew 18.20 where Jesus said, For wherever two or three are gathered, drawn together as my followers, in and into my name, there I am in the midst of them. Paul says, Let your life bear witness to the presence of God. And then he continues. Okay? Do not fret, verse 6, do not fret or have anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, definite requests and thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. You know, Mike Wells has a saying, he says, there's nothing that the nearness of Christ won't cure. Now he says that, but I think Paul just said it first. That's the bottom line of what he's telling you. He starts with this truth. He starts with the reality that your focus needs to be Jesus. You need to rejoice in the Lord. You need to allow the truth of God to be displayed so that all men know that He is near. That He is in your very presence. And I believe that He's talking about the manifest presence of Christ. I believe that He's talking about the the truth that Christ is about us. He's not only in us, He is about us. He is holding all things together by the word of his power there are a number of reasons why I believe that but the number one reason I believe that is because knowing that Jesus will return one day hasn't done a whole lot to relieve me of anxiety and worry has it you? I cannot even begin to express to you the peace that I have felt knowing that he was near no matter what I went through that his life was about me When you're in the darkest place where life is literally closing in on you, where you don't feel like you have any hope, do you look to the second coming? Or do you look to the presence of Christ who's there? Paul says the Lord is near. That is your hope. That is your truth. And that should be your focus. The Lord is near, so stop being anxious. Stop allowing anxiety to possess your heart and mind. Live in the presence of God. The God in us. The truth of us. Recognizing His presence is the greatest source of peace. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will guard Him and keep Him in perfect and constant peace, whose mind 
both its inclination and its character is stayed on you. Because he commits himself to you. He commits himself to you. The God of creation commits himself to you. Leans on you. And hopes confidently in you. I didn't say that. Isaiah said that. What's he speaking of? He's speaking of an, of an intimate relationship. We don't know. We see through a glass dimly. It does not yet appear who we are. But heaven and all of the heavenly hosts look down and they look upon us and they see the glory of God all about us. They see the ones who were formed to, to be in union with Him. They see the glory of God resident within us and in union with us. And it is not that we are God ourselves, but we are beloved loved of God we are his children you know the enemy's greatest work is to distract us to to take our focus off our father to pull us away and you know why he is constantly at work it's not about getting you to sin it's about getting your focus off Jesus and you know why he's so vigilant can't he read the Bible doesn't he know what's going to happen why is he so vigilant what is the thing that he hates most who is the person he has the greatest contempt for Jesus Jesus and sheer hate and pride has blinded him to to a lot of things but one thing he's not blind to because he is a spiritual being he sees us as we are he sees the truth of us he sees these beings radiant in the glory of God wearing and cloaked in the righteousness of Christ made to be the beloved of God created as a new creation to walk in the truth of God literally made for Jesus he sees us that way why is he so intent on moving our focus because it is so much better to see these radiant light beings who are literally endued with the power and the presence of God scrambling around all offended by each other all bitter about life's circumstances all concerned about the temporal things and the external things and completely forgetting the truth of who they are that's his mission Do you want to resist the enemy? Live to the truth. Put your focus on Christ. Embrace the reality of who you are. Quit walking about as the world does, as those who have no hope. We're addressing the issue of focus. He will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Him. Where's your mind staying? Where's your mind taking up residence? This is also a present imperative command that says stop it now. Make it your determination not to be anxious or worry about anything or put your focus on anything but the Lord. Recognize He is near. Worry is a distraction for your mind to keep you from being in communion with Christ. You know, it's interesting. The Greek word there for anxious is from the verb marizo, which the meaning of that verb literally is to divide or to distract or to draw in different directions. That's what it means. Do not be distracted. Do not be drawn away. 
We can be distracted, but when we make distraction our focus, we lose our peace and surrender to fear and worry. Worry has its roots in unbelief, while joy has its in confidence in the Lord and His love for you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting the whole of your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on Him. For He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. You know, there is no promise in this verse to remove you from trouble. It says, Cast the weight of your trouble upon Him and He will sustain you. Cast the burden of what you're in and He will be life to you. But you know why we don't embrace that? Because we're still believing that the worry, the problem, is taking life from us. That if we could just get away, get away from the worry and the problem, the issue, the distraction, that we would have life. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, I'm going to take the problem away from you so that you can have life again. He's saying, I will be life to you in the midst of the problem. I will be your strength. I will sustain you by my life. I will bring you into the reality that life is in me and nothing else. So that you can walk above the water and not sink in spite of the storm. So that you can embrace the truth. We are to live a life of dependence upon a covenant-keeping God. You know, He has a covenant to take care of you. He's made a covenant to take care of you. Thank you for joining us today for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation, rest in His life moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. To get to know us better, visit us on the web at hislifefellowship.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If this message has blessed you, you can help support this program with your gift to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 781-529, San Antonio, Texas, 78278. And now, before we go, our prayer for you this coming week is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you and that you would remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.